Hello, Heron. Hi. So I have a few topics. It's been a while since we last recorded. Apologies to the fan base. Do you have any topics you'd like to start with? Okay. Uh, just a couple quick ones. Uh, as you know, I well, I don't watch a lot of movies because I'm just you know mostly disappointed. <laughs> you know, but I saw a perfect day, uh-huh. and I thought that was uh, pretty good. I enjoyed that, uh-huh. and uh, I recommend it as a, a sort of well, it, it's. It, about as black a humor <laughs> as things get, I guess. Mm. It starts off with a corpse in a well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, in any case, it, it's it, I found it entertaining. And then I also saw a documentary called All Things Must Pass about uh, the history of Tower Records. Yes, I've seen that too. And I was I really enjoyed that because I used to go to Tower Records. Mm. <laughs> there was yeah, one. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I would certainly recommend that one as well. I picked it up, I think, on iTunes uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. I come home yeah. from work. My wife was out of town. She was down in L.A. And I thought, this is exactly the kind of film I want to be watching right about now. Yeah, I really found it. it well, it's just embodied so many things, mm. you know, so many trends. Mm. And, uh, With yeah. a nice cameo from Elton John as well. So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, Tower Records, well, that was earlier. I, I probably Certainly. got onto them later, I guess. Mm. Because the Tower Records I went to was in Torrance. Yes. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. It wasn't Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, I didn't realize that they started out in Sacramento, though. I think that explains a lot of things associated with their particular style. Well, it was a great place to go to. I mean, even by the time they they turned it into a franchise or yeah. whatever it was uh, in Torrance, it was still really the only place you could go and get any kind of music and books and magazines and mm. shit that you'd never find anyplace else. They were very good on import. I think that was the thing. I mean, I don't think – I might have gone to a Tower Records once in Sydney – but when I came to the U.S., I would go to Tower Records periodically. Yeah. And they just had such a nice selection. I mean, I think it's one of these things yeah. now where you have to go online for music, really. Well, yeah, that's the only thing that could beat Tower Records yeah. was iTunes. Mm. Or Without any plot spoilers, I think we know how this one ends. Well, yeah, there are no p- plot spoilers in this story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that it's still going in Japan, though. Yeah. I mean, that that surprised me. And were the ten ten locations, yep. I guess, in in yep. Japan. Well, again, that's due to imports. I mean, they basically import music that people want to listen to in Japan that well, is readily available. Well, see, that was the thing is I liked going to the store. Mm. You know, I mean, it, getting music was you know, I mean, maybe I'd find something or maybe I wouldn't, but it was the magazine rack was awesome. Mm. You know, it just had. An amazing, diverse, weird collection of magazines. You know? mm. it it's was- funny. Now, I mean, when we were in Vegas, we used to go to Fry's Electronics, yeah. which had a large magazine rack. Yeah. And in the UK, you actually had things called news agents. Folks outside the UK and Australia and probably New Zealand, where you don't have these things called news agents, where the primary thing, you know, I mean, they'll sell cigarettes and a variety of other things, but they sell newspapers and magazines and for this reason actually in the uk there are a vast quantity of magazines on any given topic Mm, yeah 
you know, just three or four <laughs> different magazines in any particular topic area. And this is still uh, functioning? Well, they, they decreased. Maybe the, instead of three, there are now two. But it was extraordinary yeah. going into these. And in Australia, we had news agents that would import UK magazines. And occasionally, I think the, tr- the same must be true in Japan, because they would import Japanese magazines as well. But to be in a place with a functioning news agent, I guess... Barnes and Noble and, you know, Borders and these kind of places used to have that kind of facility as well. But they're basically pretty well dried up. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an interesting era. Hmm. I mean, there, there was an era there. Well, it's still good. I mean, it's better now, actually. I mean, th- those were good days. But, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't trade what, what I got now for what I had then. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, because I don't know. It's just different now. Yeah. Like, there used to be magazines that I would thoroughly enjoy buying. And now, I mean, last year I subscribed into a, to a bunch of, like, $14 a year subscriptions. Yeah. I had about seven of them. And all of them, the quality just wasn't there or what it once was. Well, I don't see any advantage to pay. I mean, there are times when paper is very useful, mm. but, uh, I, you know, it has to have some special reason. But I guess, I mean, my perspective with regards to magazines is they're exactly, and this is why I maintain two boxes, you know, within throwing reach of my bed. One was for magazines I hadn't read, and one was for magazines I read. And then we take the <laughs> magazines I've read to charity, and we wrote a portion off on the taxes and these kind of things. But um, it was quite curious, because I guess out of the magazines that I had, the only two that I've continued to subscribe to were uh, Model Railroader, which I just have to for Model Rail Radio. I have to keep yeah, up with the vernacular. it's a business expense. Yeah. And although I'm not really sure why I did, I resubscribed to High Times just because it's so curious. And it's really, it really is on the line of, I mean, I would have, if, if Playboy hadn't have changed, I probably would have resubscribed to Playboy. But because yeah. it changed, there's just nothing there anymore. Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting, actually, because I had a radio control plane magazine. I had a variety of different, I had New Scientist and Scientific America, and they're just garbage now. Well, the thing is, there's really nothing there that, that you can't get better on an iPad. Well, I guess my perspective is there are certain things which are ideally suited. I mean, Playboy historically had articles that were ideally suited for the magazine format. You know, there were five, six pages. You probably wouldn't have read them on an iPad. It probably would have been slightly too verbose. No, had- that's what, not if it's published as a magazine. That's what I'm saying. Is it's a whole the last different time thing. You read an article of five thousand words on your iPad yesterday. Well, I think you might be relatively rare and far between. No, I, I suspect I am, but I do most of my reading on my iPad, yeah. and I read my science news magazine Certainly. on my iPad. Certainly, and I, I'm so glad to be rid of paper. Mm. I mean, just visually, it's better on the eyes. Hmm. It's easier to read. Well, that's the difference, I guess, between, like, rear projection and needing light on tech. Well, it's about uh, ink physically printed on paper with fibers, Hmm. you know, and when you look at that under a micro, not even under, just under a magnifying glass, uh, it's it's terrible. It's, it's, I mean, again, the resolution is nowhere near as good as what you get on a screen at uh, 250 DPI. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's fairly demonstrable. 
And it's really noticeable to me, like I say, and the same thing for my uh, retina display, you know, that 27 inch in front of me. I mean, I used to just dread reading on the internet, you know, on my monitor, but now it's, it's actually just easy. It's just not a problem at all. It's better than, like I say, it's better than paper in many ways. Yes, it is interesting. The computer that I reverted to when I took my computer into the Genius Bar to have it looked at and ultimately have the motherboard replaced was a pre-retina resolution display. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Ooh is right. <laughs> yeah, really. You, you don't know just how... Well, I knew immediately, yeah. yeah. That, that's a game changer, man. That, that makes all the difference in the world. Well, just in terms of eye strain alone, I forgot, yeah. you know, I forgot what it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to work on, on really shitty. Oh man! You know? <laughs> oh just... man, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, what a tragedy! God, no wonder you were going towards porn over doing this newspaper <laughs> in Malaki. Oh my goodness, Aaron. Uh, any other topics, Aaron? Well, see, I don't know what topic was that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Well, anyway, I was. Um, well, you know, this really appears to be working just fine like Skype always has worked. Oh, man. Apparently, it's been a problem. Uh, that, was, that was what I was t- going to talk about is whether you had ever had any experience with Facebook audio calls, whether that – I mean, because they've certainly got the yeah. enough people, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, that, that, if they had came out with something, uh, that would be an easy switch, you know. It would be interesting. I've never aged – I don't think I've ever aged. What if well, let's I'm, test it sometime and yeah, see maybe. Which, I mean, if Skype's working for us, let's just keep. It. Well, you're right. As long as this, but that's got me worried, though, because <laughs> now I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's working now. But what the hell is Microsoft going to yeah. do next year? Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. I think it was probably Saturday. I came back from the Apple Store with my, you know, what they call them now, MacBooks. I always want to call it a PowerBook. My MacBook in hand. I put it down. I thought, how can I test out this motherboard? And you were online on Google Hangouts. With a bunch of guys talking about their, whether they like sushi or not and things like that. I mean, I thought, what is this? What is this? What is it? Gendo tactical pant language, whatever it is. <laughs> I just thought to myself, what does this thing become? And you were like in the background as well, which was particularly curious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These, no, these this guys run it. Listen. See, well, the, this is uh, this is one of the things I've discovered about uh, having a broader audience is that you know, again, ninety eight percent of the people are. Not there for whatever reasons um, you want, and I haven't really cared enough to to give a shit about it mm. there right now. Did you establish but, who those people were? Uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't care really. Yeah. You know, it's it's irrelevant to me. They tried to call me back at a later time, and I thought, uh oh, somehow <laughs> now I'm on these guys' radar. They're going to be trying to pull me into their <laughs> clown sushi discussions. Yeah, so. yeah. See, you know, I've had a couple of those kinds of things, and it's funny. This is the blessedness of losing your memory, you know. Is, is There's nothing clouding my memory about any of that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. But I understand. I mean, I know about it at the time, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And, uh, and obviously, that's not my style, but mm-hmm. I'm just not concerned about it at this point. Yes, this is just something I said I was going to do, so I'm doing it. Mm. <laughs> what happened to T? Oh, uh, I think she probably got pissed off when I took down, you know, and threw away a bunch of the recordings. Okay. I don't know. Because uh, I, I, I communi- I'm not even sure whether we're still friends on Facebook, but I communicated with her briefly and just said, how are things going? Yeah. She didn't really say much. I thought, okay, I'll keep, keep on moving, keep on moving. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure what happened to that whole 
gang of folk that you got together initially. So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I figure it doesn't hurt to just be there, you know, see yeah. what happens. And, um, and I don't really care anyway at the moment, so it's perfect, you know. Yes. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, you never know what, who might drop by, you know. Yes. Well, even I drop by on that. Well, see, that's the thing is, is uh, and that's what I expect. Uh, you know, 98%, is, yeah. I mean, in an open environment, 98% are, are, is going to be a complete waste of time. So I don't waste my time. <laughs> well, unless it's a Saturday afternoon and you've got a bunch of clown and sushi devotees. Well, yeah, well, but there's still something for me to learn about this environment, too. Mm. So, uh, you know, I mean, actually... I mean, I'm learning quickly that there's not much for me to learn in this environment. They seem to but, be like a roving pack. I mean, that's they were trying to get more of their well, buddies I think in this, to have a yeah, chat. I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, well, this group was. You're right. They were. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, I, and that's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? A roving pack in, in a net, in a whatever it is, a chat network. Yeah, moving from hangout to hangout. He was quite the, the lead clown. Was quite concerned that I didn't find his, like, whatever, the photo that he had up offensive. And I'd actually watched at least one I don't of remember those. what that was. It was. It's from a Rob Zombie film. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, all right. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and funnily enough, it's also an avatar that was used by a former friend of mine who's part of the Z Realm podcast. Oh, it's a great image. <laughs> it works. I mean, you know. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. that's, a, that's a great character. <laughs> yes. Well, no, if you've seen the movies, you've got far more of an affinity for the character. So, <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. I've seen the movies. I don't have any more affinity for the character. Well, I feel, well, I, feel I have more affinity. I mean, really, I, they're just a bunch of fucking language monkeys to me. Is well, there much difference in that and the Wall I'll, Street stockbroker, really? I'm a side of language monkeys which i guess the well they've got their peculiar as well. you know yeah. the little peculiarities yes. you know? the difference is this is a fictitious character versus the wall street stockbroker who's killing people through his actions anyway yeah do you yeah. have do you have any more topics well it was just uh, yeah one more thing it was just mm. another uh, really thank you to bob for cell phones mm. <laughs> you know um I've had some troubles with my battery recently, and I got AAA, so it's it's not really been a problem except, you know, just having to wait for them to come and fix it. Oh, you know? yes. But uh, in any case, uh, I was at the Costco, and when I went out, my battery, you know, and the, anyway, they came out and um, replaced the battery there. The guy came out, and he had the battery they needed, mm-hmm. put it in my car, charged me 115 bucks, yep. and drove off, and that was that. And I'm thinking, you know, I had a cell phone in my pocket, on my hip anyway. And what did I do 30 years ago? You when went this to a pay phone. Well, ah, that's right, pay phones. I forgot about That's right, there were pay phones. Or, or, or I, I think probably what I did is I hitchhiked home and then called somebody mm. or something, you know. But it, whatever it was, it was a pain in the ass. Mm. Well, actually, I don't remember. I don't think I had enough money back then to have uh, AAA. AAA has been around for a long time, I think. I don't. I only. I've only recently, you know, in the last like five or six years, or maybe a little yeah. longer, had AAA. I've, I've been actually been to your local auto zone because exactly the same thing happened to us when we were in your part of the world. Mm-hmm. My wife wanted to go to a, a big cloth emporium. We went there. I went in a few times. She was in there for about an hour and a half. When she came out, her car wouldn't start, and we basically waited in a car park, probably less than a mile from your place, and then we went to your auto zone in your area, 
and made sure everything was kosher. I think what they did was they jump-started us, and then with the view that we could get to the local auto zone and actually have the battery replaced there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we... I paid. was surprised yeah. that they actually had the battery I needed. Yeah. That that really... Uh, I thought, man, that's good. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the difference between AA and whatever schmuck service we used. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I've had... Exactly well, but these the are all experience. independent contractors. Of course. AA... Yeah. Uh, that's all they use. I yes. mean, there isn't, you know. Yeah. But maybe yeah, it's, it, anyway. Power. It's just you know. I just realized how how what a wonderful device a cell phone is. I mean, just just the idea that wherever you are, mostly, mm. if you really are in a dire strait, you can get a hold of somebody. Yeah. You know. I've had I've had ongoing beef with regards to the iOS weather app, which really comes through Yahoo. So it's not Apple's fault in any way. Aside from the fact that they use Yahoo. You know, their weather predictions are, yeah, yeah leave some t- thing to be dismissed. But the weather predictions always ebb towards the worst possible weather conditions. Yeah. Well, that's more fun. <laughs> Unless you want to go out for a bike ride, say. Well, but, yeah, better safe than sorry. Well, yes, that's a, I'm wondering if there's a if there's a correction to prediction that would actually make it slightly well, more. Well, yeah, this, this past weekend was a good example. Of that, we, I was expecting it to rain all weekend. Yes, and it didn't rain one bit. Amen. Any weekend. <laughs> That's exactly my experience. Like, yeah, you know, my wife's out of town. I want to go on a long bike ride to nowhere. Oh no, it's going to rain in the next hour. Yeah. Bright blue. Thund- oh, we were getting skies. thunderstorms. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> the topic that I had saved over from last week, but still, I think is an interesting topic. I was listening to Lorenzo Haggerty's psychedelic salon. And they had one of the Shona, Shona, Shona? Anyway, Shona Holmes, I think is the pronunciation of her name. We're friends on Facebook. She's been doing uh, interviews and chats for Lorenzo, very similar to what you and I did on one occasion, and I've done with Bruce Damon previously. She was talking with a woman who was part of the Native American church who does peyote cactus ceremonies. They call them meetings, actually. (laughs) And I realized that... My aversion to organized religion, in particular, you know, any kind of evangelical or missionary religion, is less concerning when it's with regards to very well-defined kind of self-help-oriented things. I mean, what they talk about is basically taking the peyote through ritual and then exploring various problems that they're having through the peyote. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm actually really okay with this. This doesn't yeah. seem like Catholicism. But calling it religion, again, what you label it is really not <laughs> they, they what's important. Yeah. They perhaps call it religion so they get some benefits. Yeah, okay, so, yeah but that's, of course, if, if you're a semanticist, you know that what it is is bullshit. Yeah. It's just a label. But anyway, through this, it gave me almost like a reflexive view associated with, you know, what if... But uh, the problem is none of the major religions can function in that kind of space because they all require, you know, authority oh, and damn... Um, well, see, there's even some question. I mean, really, what do you mean by religion at yes. this point? You know, I mean, True. many people would suggest Buddhism doesn't qualify as a religion. Which well, depends and, how you practice it, right? Well, and how you practice it and, how, and what b- particular sets of uh, beliefs and yeah. dogma you, adhere, you know, adhere to. So, yes. yeah. Yes. Well, the whole thing is sort of silly. I mean, I mean, I've got my religion, but I know I made it up. I accept responsibility for that. Mm. <laughs> you know. But the role that ritual plays. I mean, I 
I don't know. I mean, according to my check on my genetics, I'm not in any way prone to any kind of OCD behavior. So I'm just attributing that all to nurture rather than nature. But the nature of ritual and the enjoyment that I get out of ritual and these kind of things is mm. really very interesting when, you know, ascribed to everyday regular behavior. And I think most people have some rituals <laughs> that they do. Well, brushing your teeth. Well, that we is have a million benefits. little ones. <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily, because I don't brush my teeth in exactly the same way every day. Well, then you must be pathologically defective. <laughs> Clearly. You should know this by now, Aaron. What are you missing? <laughs> Sorry. I'm just a little slow sometimes. Yes. But I actually get enjoyment out of not brushing my teeth the same way every day. But there are certain things that I do. I mean, particularly rituals associated with sleep and positions associated with falling asleep. Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. these things, if I didn't do them in a particular way, I'd never actually get to sleep. I actually experiment with those precise things because yeah. I started to notice this pattern, you know, that, uh, that I go through in going to sleep. So I started trying to break it up, you know, to see to what me. would happen. And the trouble is I never remember what the last thing I was doing before I fell asleep. <laughs> so... so I, well, that's the critical thing. That's what you must remember. Yeah, I know that. That's sort of the. But I can, it, it seems that no matter what, I've been unable to to have a to figure out just when it was that I lost it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's one of the critical things, and probably I mean the lucid dreaming books that I've read, even the ones that I've read recently, all indicate that that has to be recognized in some way in order to successfully lucid yeah. dream. Yeah. And to acknowledge that transition, and this is the point of almost injection of your own, you know, experiment or what you're looking to get through this period. So I'm relatively mindful of when I fall asleep. I also know the certain patterns of thought that can get me to fall asleep, which I use when I fly periodically as well. I don't just use it in regular mm. sleep. But it is interesting, the nature, and I've all, we talked about this, maybe the last recording, maybe the recording before, that we all suffer from these you know, needs for ritual based on generations of the folks that didn't find the needs for ritual and the folks that didn't being kicked out and not being bred with. I mean, I think a lot of our genetic, you know, predisposition actually leads itself to, which makes us at least dubious citizens in particular societies, but yeah. enables at least to function. There's a lot of the Neolithic still yes, in us. Certainly. <laughs> See, that's, I, I think, what what the revolution really is, is really putting that behind us. I mean, yes. it's, that was good. That got us here. And, yeah. and there are even maybe some aspects of it that on occasion are very useful, yeah. you know. But by and large, we're going to have to come up with a new ethic, I think. Hmm. Well, yeah, a new ethic perhaps to extend the monkey, but it's very difficult to completely disregard, I mean, just through physical form, mm -hmm. the monkey. Well, no, obviously that dimension has to continue. We have to deal with that. So, with yes, you, you yes. can't just pretend that there's no monkey. You know, yes. there is a monkey here. Yeah. But I don't know. I think, shit, I think I'm smart enough. I think we are smart enough to learn how to come to some some way of managing our monkeys so that we're all sort of working together on this. Hmm. Yeah, I've changed the way I do my gardening this year. I've decided to adopt my Vietnamese neighbors, and in fact, I have two Vietnamese neighbors that garden in this way. 
they have series of pots. Sometimes, I think one of them has at least 150 pots, mm-hmm. where they put all their plants in the pots, and then they move the pots around, and then they kind of garden each pot individually. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Yeah. I'm going to try this this year. Yeah. So I've set up probably just under 100 pots with a wide variety of different things in them, you know, basil, lettuce. And they're never going to get transferred to the ground. They're going to live their entire lives and bear their fruit. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. This is quite fascinating because I always think about compost. You need special fertilizers and stuff for this? Interesting. This is where it gets very interesting. So I've started, I, I grew the seedlings in regular soil with no additional additives. And then I planted them in very, like, nutritious... It even has, like, broken up redwood in it and various other things. Sure. Um, to just see how well this thing goes. And initially, <laughs> the plants that I assumed would do well, the zucchini, the corn, to a lesser extent the tomatoes, all seem to be thriving in this. In fact, the corn is going absolutely berserk. I'll probably have a crop of corn, you know, before the end of June, the way these plants are growing. But... It is a distinctly And how how large can these plants get? I mean, these must be fairly large pots, right? This gonna, so this is where it gets interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of corn. That gets like eight feet tall, right? It can get you know? eight feet tall. Um, part of that is associated. There's a representation associated with the root mass as well. So you can get plants to actually, I mean, this is the nature of, um, you know, deck cherry tomatoes and this kind of stuff. That if you keep them in relatively small plots, they'll mature earlier, or certain plots will, at least. Oh, oh, okay. So, there are all these different techniques that I'm learning, and it's slightly outside the boundary of my general knowledge. But I'm trying to, like, move myself out of my comfort zone. I have this greenhouse as well now, which is almost completely empty, because everything that I grew in seedling form in the greenhouse is now out in the sun. At some stage, I'm going to move half the plants, or roughly half the plants, back into the greenhouse and see if I can maintain them and release them for, like, a second generation or just do some manipulation based on the greenhouse versus the outside. (laughs) But it's all very interesting and all completely tangential. Another thing I found, because my wife is taking an interest in this, I have never talked to someone about my gardening habits. It's something that I've done implicitly. I've been able to grow stuff. Yeah. I've never had a good conversation about why oh, yeah. I do these things the way I do them. I have a set order that I do. I certainly put in you know, certain things like blood and bone, for example, which in this country you buy separately, and I mix it in with the soil initially. And I've got a few techniques that date back to my early childhood when I used to grow plants. And um, But I don't actually talk to people about it. I consume vast quantities of YouTube and also podcasts associated with gardening. Yeah, but it's good to talk to people, too. Well, it's interesting, because I haven't yeah. needed to up until now. And it's only because my wife is genuinely curious, because she comes out... I mean, historically, she kind of looked at my garden at a distance from the window. She never really took much interest in it. It did produce fruit, but she always thought that I spent too long out in the garden, or I was too finicky about something. And you can just go buy it at the store exactly. and the same yeah. damn yeah. thing. Well, <laughs> she began to realize that that actually wasn't the case. I mean, the quality of the tomatoes in particular that I oh, produce yeah. Yeah. were just so completely unlike anything that you could buy at the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Home, nothing like homegrown tomatoes. But sweet. Yeah. I mean, the, the oh, idea yeah. that the tomato is actually a sweet fruit. My it's- plants are just now starting to come up. <laughs> uh, yes. And, yeah, anyway, so in changing aspects of my gardening routine, I'm actually seeing very positive changes in the plants as well. Now, the basil has been attacked by something, or at least one pot of basil. But I have another two pots of basil that are doing just fine. And what I'm actually probably going to do is break up the one pot of basil into smaller pots, and then whatever is attacking it, I don't think will continue. 
But, uh, yeah, it's all very interesting. It's just something... And again, this, from your perspective at least, is quintessentially monkey-like behavior in some form. You know, well, no, no, it's not behavior in and of itself. I don't think is the determiner. It's there's also the motivation and all sorts of other things going on. So well, motivation not- is so. I mean, motivation <laughs> is just like such a complex set of parameters. Oh yeah, we have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not necessarily uh, something to be considered. Certainly. Even though we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> so I discovered a podcast through the week called Intelligence Unclassified. It's the New Jersey Department of Homeland Security podcast, which I've never actually... I mean, I'm sure there are other government departments in the oh, This is actually a government yes. thing. Okay. And the first for sure, not some positive. scam. No, no, no. This is really, this is really true. I'll tell you why. And this is the U.S. government has its own. No, podcast no. This is the now. New Jersey. It's a state-run de- uh, Department of Homeland Security office. Okay, so this has no. They just declared that out of nothing. I mean, it's not something that's sanctioned or controlled by the U.S. government. It's sanctioned by the New Jersey. Okay. All right, so it's a, it's a state thing, not a. Yeah. Fa- I just didn't know that that was a state issue. I thought that well, would be a maybe federal need to, issue. Yeah, it is, but there are state offices associated. So why? Why? Because <laughs> well, I'll, I'll illustrate why. Because I listened oh, okay. to I listened to two episodes, and then my wife asked if I had my headphones on me. The gym that she goes to is directly opposite my office. And she'd come to the gym without headphones, so she said, can you run me down your headphones? So I was only able to listen to two episodes of this. The first episode was absolutely fascinating. It was a conversation with a gentleman who was quietly spoken, well-reasoned, and outlined a set of really interesting, you know, facts, let's use the F word here, um, associated with the change (laughs) of terrorist organisations. In particular, that ISIS is increasingly becoming like a new media organisation with 22-year-olds who are declaring themselves (laughs) as clerics and this kind of stuff. And it is completely different to Al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. The world is changing real fast. But it's interesting because he described it in such a way where it wasn't that the threat was increasing, it was just that the threat was changing. And he had a series of relatively well-reasoned points, and it made me feel really positive like, obviously, there are a bunch of buffoons, most of them are politicians that we see <laughs> spouting this stuff. Anyway, so I thought, this is going to be a great podcast, because this is actually talking to people that are genuinely interesting, associated with this particular area, and obviously it's the US government's particular perspective, but he was so reasoned and he was so far removed from their going to yeah, kill Yeah, it's nice to hear reason exactly. occasionally. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> So I then listened to the next podcast, and it was the guy who I thought should be doing the podcast, exclaiming that they were all coming to get us, and it was getting far worse, and it was all out of control, and all this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, okay, clearly, clearly, one out of many is a well-reasoned person, and the rest of them are all these nationalist, you know, crazies that I would normally associate. So it was kind of sad that the clear, but I've only listened yeah. to two. Well, you know, the, the now the, the question is one. the third one. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I would thoroughly recommend intelligence unclassified, at least for the first episode. I then bought, funnily enough, the guy, the, the well-reasoned, well-spoken guy recommended books. I've purchased two of those books. And I think less of the gentleman now I've looked at the books that he's recommended. But still, it was interesting <laughs> to just... Well, it was interesting to see how you were beguiled by him. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, just that there is there are subtleties within this thing 
that we would generally choose to satirize on Stone Age. And I, well, that's you know, you're right. Yeah, the the reality of any individual human being yes. that you end up talking to, yes. uh, you got to start from ground zero. Certainly, yeah, certainly. My week has been plagued with migraines, and some of these migraines just have left me in a state where I've just thought I probably shouldn't post anything on Facebook today. And I just, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that. You know, I mean, I've had. I, I guess they're just. Really debilitating. I mean, can you work or do anything when it's... through the past three months, and hopefully these days have passed, but through, it's probably been more than three months, through the past five months, I have been in circumstances where I have been on mission-critical work. Now, people might say, well, you know, I don't necessarily want to say how many million, but, you know, tens of millions of users associated with their Netflix accounts... Like yeah, how, how it's a big deal. Really is yeah. the work. Well, to yeah. so many, it's a big deal. So I've had to work through some pretty horrendous migraines over the past five months. And, it's, and you can do that, though. Oh, I'm crying and various other things. I mean, it is really debilitating, but I'm able to do it with the view. Do you do it at work or you do yeah, it, no, you do it at mean, home? For the first. For the first <laughs> what are your co-workers thinking? <laughs> well, it's not like I'm sobbing. I mean, to... To say crying yeah, okay. indicates that I'm sobbing. What's actually yeah, okay. happening is my eyes are watering. Ah, okay, no, I got you. I, yeah, I thought you were in there weeping. No, no. <laughs> and the visual artifacts, I had, a, I had a kaleidoscope migraine this week, and the visual artifacts are genuinely interesting. Anyway, I came home from one of these days, and I watched Bill Clinton at, I guess, a Hillary Clinton rally, Talk to well, talking to a broader audience, but with a few Black Lives Matter hecklers in the front, and I found it just absolutely fascinating because really we don't hear enough from people like Bill Clinton in a kind of candid, slightly defensive fashion. But it was some of the most extraordinary audio and some of the most honest audio in a really quite surreal sense <laughs> that you would anticipate to hear from someone like Bill Clinton. He was talking in particular associated with the 1994 crime bill, which was really a solid uptick in the, what one might call the industrial prison complex yeah. associated with yeah. privatised prisons, but also associated with extending three strikes, you're out. Just all the yeah. legislation that's designed basically to pack people into prisons where they can't afford lawyers and they're just going to be in prisons for the rest of their lives. And disproportionately, <laughs> this system has targeted predominantly African-Americans to a lesser extent other minorities, but really severely African-Americans. And through you mean the system? You mean the, the justice and the police and well, the, the whole judicial thing. systems? The whole thing that ends up in commercial prisons. The statistic that I love that comes from my friend Ice Cube relates to the fact that there, at least through most of the <laughs> 90s, particularly after Bill Clinton, or through the Clinton reign, yeah. there were five more African-Americans for every African-American... Sorry, there were five more African-Americans in prison for every one African-American in college. <laughs> and that was the ratio associated yeah, with this thing. Yeah. In large part... Not created by, because obviously Reagan had done a lot of stuff and Bush the Elder had done a lot of stuff. Oh, it's the whole history of the world has brought us to this point. <laughs> yes. Well, starring, for a period of time at least, Bill Clinton. One more you know, guy in there with, yes. <laughs> you know, flailing around with his ideas. Yeah. Yes. 
some of the beautiful quotes that I, I and they're not quotes; they're just ideas. Well, I heard something about that, and he was, uh, his comeback was that it was a choice between killing people or keeping them in prison. Yes, <laughs> you know <laughs> that basically he he cured crime by imprisoning a vast quantity of people, but also that he cured poverty by imprisoning a vast quantity of people. And it was such a curious... It just made me realise that this thing called the news media actually facilitates these kind of events occurring. Well, there is no such thing as the news media. That's just an invention of our language machine, that idea. There's a bunch of people out there doing all sorts of weird shit. Well, there's a bunch of people that are paid... In some regard, through politicians, and in some regard, through oh, there's that, yeah, yes. all that too, yes, yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. I guess yeah, see, money system is probably something more interesting to examine. Yes. <laughs> in any case, there was one. There was one point, and they were talking as primarily associated with mass imprisonment, where they referred to where the Black Lives Matter protesters referred to Bill Clinton as a war criminal. <laughs> and I have a few issues associated with Bill Clinton, particularly associated with Kosovo, but also I think the whole situation with regards to the Iraq embargo and the constant bombing of civilians in Iraq, in particular through his impeachment process, the, I actually think there's some merit to that. And I thought, well, do I write Black Lives Matter a check? Do I just send them a write-on? Because I like to see this kind of dialogue, even if it is in one lone rally where some protesters are in front of Bill Clinton, it's nice to actually have this in the public forum as being something, not that's explicitly discussed, but at least so some of us can be reminded that there are other folks out there that have kind of similar, similar Yeah, there are other stories here exactly. to be heard yes. <laughs> you know, that, that you may not have heard before. Yeah. And one <laughs> of the things that I came to realize through this is that I've commonly not affiliated myself with any political groups, but a number of the political groups that I feel... You, know, you can disaffiliate yourself from some, though. Well, <laughs> you know, I disaffiliate from all. Well, that's... Ex- yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but I guess I have strong sympathies towards good chunks of the Black Panther Party at various points of time, and I'm starting to see, although I think there are certain concerns that I have associated with Black Lives Matter as a group... But as a means of like talking about very specific issues, they've been able to talk about very specific issues in a way that I feel somewhat comfortable with. And I wonder, actually, because I'm, I'm distant from almost all my family, including my father, who used to take me to union meetings as a matter of course in my early childhood, because he was a, a post-Marxist sociologist at that time. But I just wonder how I've been able to come to these various conclusions. None of the other people I know in my family have... When I talk to the general, like, you know, when I talk to co Rap music has rotted your brain. I think that's, that's the what conclusion. it is. That is yeah. the conclusion. Well, particular kinds of rap music. And well, also, any of it. Anything, well, anything that comes from, you know, black people. <laughs> uh, God, look what's happened to you. Yes. I watched a documentary called uh, Fresh to Death, I think, through the week. Um, and it made me realize, actually, that the whole... Well, Living in a foreign country through a musical phenomena enables you to consume only parts of the phenomena. You don't have to consume... Wait, through a musical? I'm not quite sure I follow that. So when I consumed rap music, I was, you know, sitting on a bus going from locations to locations in Canberra, Australia. I typically consumed it through tapes, occasionally magazines, 
And I didn't see... I mean, I guess I realised that they were wearing particular kinds of clothes and things, but that wasn't what was important to me. What was important to me was, you know, the discussion of active social revolution and a description of a very repressive society, which, funnily enough, was about to incarcerate a vast number. And this was the Black Panther narrative you're talking about. Yeah, this is a part of the Black Panther narrative, but also... See, I'm not that familiar with it, so I, Mm. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm well aware to live through that period, but Mm. never studied any of it or anything. I mean, I guess guess Fred Hampton characterizes the pinnacle of my, you know, shared perspectives with regards to Black Panthers in particular, you know, giving back to society, food kitchens, these kind of things, you know, free medical services, all kinds of things that Fred Hampton was talking about with a certain element of severe distrust of authoritarian figures who ultimately (laughs) killed him uh, for good reason. I mean, he had good, he he had good reason to distrust them because they ultimately killed him. Yes. So, and by their stars, they had good reason to kill him. Well, (laughs) Jake Hoover did a damn fine job at scaring everyone. I think through that period of time, and those they couldn't scare, he killed. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So, I understand how I get to where well, listen, I am. When you, when, you, when you know the truth and you have God on your side, you do what you got to do mm. to make sure the good wins. Mm. It's that simple for some people. A thought associated... So one of the things that I found interesting in this Fresh to Death documentary was a description of when homosexuality became acceptable in the black community and the fact that fashion actually... It is? Well, apparently in some areas. <laughs> but the fashion had actually changed... Historically, fashion had been about buying specific brands and wearing them in specific ways. And then as homosexuality became more acceptable, it was more acceptable actually not to buy brands and to start defining your own, you know, sense of fashion, which I thought was a really interesting argument. I don't really see what the one has to do with the other. I think basically the initial fashion of hip-hop culture was about conforming very tightly to a set of of a dress code, basically. Was it? Okay, because I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. I, I guess a lot of that, I mean, that, that's part of the entertainment industry, isn't to it? To a certain so, I mean, extent. I mean, everybody has to be identified somehow. Well, to a certain extent. I mean, you have, you know, you have fringe dwellers like uh, Madonna comes to mind, although she's not probably a particularly <laughs> good example. But I think the thing that struck me was certainly when I was growing up in Australia, I was solidly associated with fuck fashion. In fact, there was actually a movement that, you know, many of my friends explicitly subscribed to where you wouldn't intent, you would intentionally wear things that weren't supposed to go together. Yes, right. Of course. Right. Because yeah. the whole nature. It's obvious. Of, Duh. The, the whole nature of fashion as a concept was associated yeah. with agreeing with. But some then, capitalist. of course, anti-fashion becomes just as tricky. Well, yes. <laughs> but there are always ways to do it. I mean, you, you You'd spend certain periods of time in second-hand <laughs> stores. You'd do a wide variety of things. You'd inherit clothes, which is the way I, I survived. Yes. Yeah. Um, or, so, and I guess I always, <laughs> I never really equated this music, which was distinctly different to the kinds of music that I was being prescribed in Australia, associated with, you know, Ralph Lauren, Polo, these kind of, you know, relatively mainstream brands. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week of deconstruction associated with both on one side black nationalism and on another side, you know, the effects of fashion. Starring (laughs) Bill Clinton, of all people. So 
The city's current thing. There are a couple of current things with the city, but one of the cities. Which city thing, is this? This is the city of San Jose. San which, Jose. Yes, which I sit loosely in its anus, as I understand. Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay, and of course there was there have been several songs with San Jose in the. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Go on. Anyway. So, at the end of our street, which is in a, I guess, what I would consider to be a residential neighbourhood, there used to be a gas station. It was on, I think, one one acre of land, so it's kind of a long gas station, but still a gas station. It probably had a... On a corner or not? It's actually, it's a curious area. It's on a corner next to an underpass. Well, as long as it's not a corner. I mean, usually that's that's the standard location for a gas station. Well, I'm trying to th- I started thinking immediately, have I ever seen a gas station that wasn't on a corner? And I'm, I'm sure I have, but I can't think of one. Well, there's, there's the prime position. Sometimes in really long roads, you can have gas stations that aren't on corners. Well, that's true. Right. Yeah, if you've got a really, really yeah. long road. Yeah. But corners are the prime location. So there well, used to be a gas station there. <laughs> <laughs> and they bulldozed the gas station down, and now homeless people live in the area. But it, it's owned by the gas station still, funnily enough, and it's getting worked on by a property development company. I guess old gas stations can be holdings for property development companies anyway. So it's 1.3, acre, 1.3 acres, although it looks much smaller because there are trees and there's a freeway running along beside it. Higher, yeah, right. Yeah. Higher than it. They're going to build 280 units on that, seven stories high, 280 units. Each unit is 430 square feet. Oh, shit, that's not bad. Well, it's pretty small. Um, well, it's small, but it's plenty for one person. Yes, unfortunately, so the price tag... Wouldn't want to be a family in the there. The price tag is 2000 a month per unit, with 20% of them being... Mm-hmm. Lowered rents at twelve hundred a unit. Yeah, well, that's an that's an interesting concept. Yes, very interesting concept. The parking situation is where. It oh yeah, well that's got to all be underground. It's they only have so what did I say two eighty units two hundred eighty units they only have I think one hundred sixty parking spots for these units. Oh yeah, there's yeah. no public transport around. Oh okay, big problems. Yes. That's the end of the deal right there. Well, you would think so. Well, I would think so. Yeah. So it's done. It's an LA based company. They sent up some chap from LA to do it at the community meeting just to describe it. Um, well, where is this located? I mean, do the they have a location? Street. At the end of my street, so about... Oh, okay, okay, so this isn't just fantasy land, this is real no, property. this is about 300 feet from, no, probably more, probably about 400 feet from my house. Okay. Um, anyway, the community, a small number of the community turned out, about 20 people, voiced a number of concerns for this guy who didn't resolve any of them. Um, then I took photographs, because obviously they passed around the plans, and I posted the photographs on Nextdoor. <sighs> In fact, I'll, I'll post them on the Stone Act Facebook group, too, if people are interested. Yeah, they're just going to park all over on the streets. That's, That's what they're going to do. Yeah, no, of, of course. course. I hadn't course. thought of that. Yeah. And it's not like people don't park all over our streets. We're about, anyway. <laughs> we're about maybe four-fifths of a mile from the local college, and almost all our street parking is taken up by college students that yeah. just come and park and walk because it's, yeah. you know, yeah. the college charge is, I think, four bucks a day. So parking for free on our street and walking the... You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. They don't have any money. Yeah, so it's very, very curious. I think the city's kind of ramrod this down. What the hell do you want something like something that like actually works and is sane? <laughs> What's the matter with you, clearly Tom? Too much to ask. I mean, clearly far <laughs> too much to ask. 
So, yes. You, you idealists, you. Yes, you fuzzy-headed idealists. So, um, I think that's going to be the task for the year. The other thing that seems to be rather curious is that they've converted a what used to be a lumber warehouse into, like, two middle schools uh, just on the other side. I mean, actually, probably closer... Well, maybe not closer to us than when this seven-story monstrosity is going in, but a relatively similar distance. This is particularly curious because the city is currently fighting... So our city has a very conservative... Yeah, I can't imagine putting two schools in. Right next to each other. Yeah, what the hell is that? So the city has a law that says that no cannabis dispensary can be within (laughs) a thousand feet of a school. There are three cannabis dispensaries within a thousand feet of the school. So, I mean, my perspective is I I would... I don't care about that particular thing. It's just remarkably hypocritical because our mayor has created all these really conservative restrictions associated with dispensaries. <laughs> and he says, you know, that they're the devil's, the devil's doing. <laughs> really? Yeah, he doesn't care that he's proposing this school could be so close to these three existing dispensaries. I mean, he's all in favour of liquor stores. We've got one on every Yeah, no corner. problem there. Yeah, right? not like they're corrupting children or killing adults or anything. But uh, no, these cannabis dispensaries are just going to be the end of the world. So, Well, you know, it's just, it's going to take a generation. This is not going to get resolved in the next 10 years. Well, I think what's interesting is, so for example, our president is very anti-cannabis. And a few of us were able to say to her, You've just got to accept that a lot of the stuff that you've been told about cannabis over the past 40 years just isn't the case. And, you know, the fact that there are actual medical patients that can benefit from the use of cannabis, while if you actually went to any of these things that issued the... (laughs) You'd know exactly what's really going on. Yeah, but let's just assume there are some legitimate users of said... There must be some somewhere. But uh, they're, not, they're not just all teenagers with masturbation-related injuries. They're actually like some legitimate. So, you know, I think through normal conversation with individuals, slowly but surely this thing might actually be, you know, resolved. I think it's a generational deal. You know, it's the yeah. same thing with science. You know, eventually the old generation dies off and they're replaced by a group of people who just accept the obvious truth of it. Yeah. You know, there isn't, you know, a few people will change their minds, but most people aren't going to change their basic, you know, in sort of intuitive grasp of reality because that's what you're really asking. Well, I mean,. This whole nature of changing your mind is interesting. I mean, honestly, I have changed my mind associated with Well, yeah, for some of it's not a big deal. Yeah. But for most people, uh, that's a, a really an unexamined area. I think it's important. It's, it's important almost maybe part of Gendo itself. Well, I mean, I think it is fundamentally part of Gendo itself. That you have the ability to realize that changing your mind isn't necessarily a bad thing. Well, it might even possibly be a good thing. Yes. Heavens! Oh yeah, no! Did you he know, say that? Not a flip flopper, actually. It might not. It might be the worst thing you ever did in your life, and you'll regret it hereafter. Yeah. <laughs> but are you willing to play that game? Yeah. Well, that's where it gets really interesting. I mean, certainly, changing your mind goes against a wide variety of religions. It goes against a wide variety of things that are still social norms. Yeah, but, but it's so obviously simple for so many other perspectives. Yes. Yeah. And again, I think even more important is this not being stuck in in any one anyway is being the truth. Yes. All they are are, you know, coordinated ways of thinking about stuff. 
and they can be very useful. Science is obvious, but it's not the way it is. It's just a story. Yes. Best one we've I've seen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, so I don't know. It's interesting because there seem to be two distinct groups in the community. One group that's willing to turn up to a meeting. And then when I posted this on Nexter, this is the point I was trying to make, I guess. Mm-hmm. When I posted it on Nexter with photos, I got a groundswell. I mean, Nextdoor is about 230 people in our community. Mm-hmm. I had a groundswell of folks like, oh, well, I'm just going to email our council member. So, you know, the council member got a bunch of emails. Which does absolutely nothing. And if you're lucky, the council member might actually mock you. Another fucking nut case out there exactly. that that Barbalay guy. Yeah, that Barbalay stirred them up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that weasel. The thing about it is, you know, roughly seven months ago, I guess, maybe less, was <laughs> when they put in the homeless shelter with only 30 minutes worth of public consultation. <laughs> so the point that I made to the folks on Nextdoor was. You might think it's great just emailing the council member, but actually participating and fronting up to these meetings and doing these things, this is actually how this thing probably should come together. Uh-oh, yeah, you put shit like that out there. Well, that, you're gonna, not going to get any much response to that, yeah. yeah a curious <laughs> thing happened where um, basically the school has been taken, the schools have been taken off the agenda because it was discovered, at least by the president, that... Um, the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, put some money into these schools. And she said to me, you should be careful around this because the mayor has been known to do dirty tricks associated with these things. And I said, yes, I'm well aware of that. And I'm, I'm going to make the point associated with the cannabis dispensaries quietly. But aside from that, I'm not going to actually do my usual spiel associated with the schools issue. And in fact, I think the schools have generally been taken off the table, even though they're going to be 1,200 students coming in, obviously, you know, coming in and out on roads that are already pretty poorly maintained. Although I did learn through the school's disclosures that there are various intersections here that should be maintained by the state where the state's never done any work on them. Like, you can actually have state-defined intersections which yeah. are important for commerce. Um, and obviously they've done nothing over <laughs> however long they've been maintaining them. But it's curious as well because I realise, I, when I was in Australia, when you have your university entrance stuff, which is kind of like an SAT, I guess, I got into law in a couple of universities. And at the time I just thought, I don't really want to do law. You know, this really isn't for me. I'm going to do the computer thing, so I'll do physics and philosophy as, as two degrees and just ignore any other vocation. But I have this propensity to, like, read a lot of documentation and then put curious aspects together, which might have been productive if I'd pursued law, I guess, because I was seen to be the only person at this meeting that firstly reads documents, but also then points out, like, what the important points are from the documents and where they contradict and this kind of stuff. And I guess that's a skill where a majority... I mean, most of the people that attend this thing are educated in some way. Like, they've whole professions which requires, like, certification and education. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it does seem to be, to be like, reading They stuff. pass the tests. The yes. tests are designed to be passed. To be passed, yeah. But, yeah, this reading stuff and putting it together in curious ways just doesn't seem to be a skill that, like, a broader selection of the public seems to have. Oh, you mean the language monkeys? Well... I'm amazed that, I mean, I guess my perspective is I've occasionally met, occasionally, 
But general language monkeys that read a lot. In fact, truth be told, no, but that but they're not general the language monkeys that read a lot. Well, there are too, but but hmm. occasionally, you know, you do run into people who are moving out of that domain somehow. Hmm. They may not be know exactly how they're what they're doing, but I, at least I I see it all the time. You know that there's this class of readers. What, what's the what's the direction you're trying to take, Sarah? Oh. You know, it's all evaporated now. Uh, you need a, it's a wine glass break point. You know, that must be it. <laughs> that, might, that must be it. So I had in my notes for this particular topic that I feel some responsibility in explaining to the general folk, be they our next door or be they part of these community meetings, that the city has an instinctively bullying relationship with regards to this community and notions of fairness and you know, disclosure and, you know, getting community feedback. Yeah, that's going to require some evidence. That's a bold claim. Oh, I've got evidence. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, but that's what it takes, of course. Certainly. And I guess what I'm doing is preparing them for a circumstance where the city still places this particular... You really want to get involved in this? Well, I guess my general perspective is, at, at the meeting this week, we discovered that a homeless man had been living in the room where we put away the chairs for this meeting and basically had left... You can't even imagine what this person had done in this space in a particular time. It basically became a biohazard. Just imagine <laughs> bodily yeah, yeah, waste yeah, in yeah, yeah, a guy a small trying room. to survive well, living there. anyway, no, he was just covering it with feces and urine. But let's move on from that. Well, whatever. So, I, what, well, obviously this person is abnormal in yeah. some way. Yeah. <laughs> But what struck me was that he didn't steal any of the computers for kids. He just took the copper wire. Well, he probably had someone offered him money yeah, for copper wire. Yeah, he could the copper wire. But the computers yeah, he had a stuff. connection for that that he couldn't, didn't have for other yeah. things. Yeah, one of my fellow board members pointed out that computers were so 10 years ago that you probably can't fence them anymore. I don't ah, think you found yeah, the iPhones. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, who wants yeah, some who wants computer, computer to buy on the side? Uh, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> The funny thing about this is, San Jose claims to be a poor city. The budget of San Jose is $3 billion. How many, how many population, what is the population? Uh, 900,000. 900,000. How many? 900,000. Nine? Okay, a million. All right. Yeah. So it's about, it's, yeah, it's, it's a more, lot of people. It's more than $3,000 per person in the city. And oh, for, for the, the tax yeah. And this is the city t- taxes. Yeah. Okay, a home, basically property so taxes, I, right? In property tax, I pay about six times that. So I pay about, well, actually, I spend more than that. But it's in that order. I'm not, I'm propping up a bunch of people in terms of the property taxes yeah. that I pay. Because I've yeah. come in late. Yeah. People that were in early pay very low property taxes. People yeah. that come in late pay very high property yeah, taxes. Yeah, I got it. But what I tried to do, and I've tried to also instill this in the community, is that when we're told that they have no money for our area, we need to point that number out to them. And we need to study the budgets on an, a- an annual basis so we know actually where the money is going. Because there's a bunch of money that could be coming to this community. But yeah, just yeah. you say there's no money. Well, yeah. where is the money going? Yeah. Where is the money going? Exactly. You know? Oh, that's a nasty question. The police, the police are a tenth of the budget. The firefighters are about 7% of the budget. I mean, even the bureaucrats are under substantial portion of the budget. And quite frankly, we know where the money's going. The money's going to other communities. It's not going to our community. So 
it's very curious to try and almost militantize, for want of a better term, our community in thinking this way. There is a passivity in our community, and my wife and I have talked periodically (laughs) associated with whether it's a religious thing. No, no, they're language monkeys. Well... They're language That's monkeys it. That all explains over. It. No, but, but they're language monkeys all over. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, they're but they got over. a story and they're stuck Clearly. on it. Clearly. And the story is very passive. The story is that yeah. we're meant to be abused. We're in a low-income community. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Exactly. Yeah. We just should take what we get and be happy with whatever yeah. scraps we're thrown by the <laughs> assholes that throw the scraps. Yeah, it's great if you can get people to accept that. Yeah, well, it's clearly a majority <laughs> of the population have accepted that in this area. Well, yeah. Well, it's that's why the whole idea of works. Well, everything. I mean, that whole idea of just... Well, we got a lot of work ahead of we us. Do. There's a lot, lot of change to thinking needs to happen yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, I guess the reason that I continue to pursue these things is I do see limited successes. With regards to getting the money for the computers and the internet and these kind of things locally. Absolutely, man. If you've got kids in front of computers, exactly. that, that's a step forward. <laughs> Even if you've got a guy shitting and pissing on the chairs, you've still got kids in you front of computers. you still got the kids at the computers. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And, and they need to know about the guy shitting in the shed, you know? <laughs> It's not the shit. It's actually two rooms away from the computers. Well, whatever, <laughs> but they probably need to know that. And they need to clean up after the guy, oh, not good. to leave that, it there. That's yeah. good part of the training. You yeah. know, that's what, you've seen the, all those things on Japanese uh, children cleaning their schools. Uh, probably, you know, yeah, yeah. That's so refreshing to see that. <laughs> yeah. In any case, so I have seen some successes, and the community genuinely, for the work that I do, is very appreciative. Mm-hmm. Some of them fight against it. Some of them are in their own stories. Okay, so you're becoming a known entity now? Yes. Oh, oh, well, then in that case, you probably ought to run for mayor. Well, I need to become an American to run for mayor, and I'm not going to become an American. Oh, that's right. You can't do that shit. Mm. Too bad. Okay. So, yeah. Well, you get a proxy. Proxy <laughs> my wife. <laughs> yeah, right, right. She'll run for Yeah, yeah. they run her for me. Yeah. <laughs> the and you'll thing, be her consultant. The, the guy who I guess is probably my age, who I spoke to, who was like the head of IT for the city, he might be a little older, he might be 10 years older than me, retired. Because the city salaries for at least the senior people, which might be where our $3 billion <laughs> are going, yeah. are actually vastly proportionally higher than even Silicon Valley salaries. Really? In fact, the head of teaching was getting um, 450000 base salary here. So, I mean, it really is the quite... head of to, teaching? You mean the the of, sc- of the school system? Whatever, yeah, yeah, the head of schools. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Anyway, he retired probably in his <laughs> mid-40s. Based on his salary. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's that old game, man. You know, as long as people want to play that game, you know, it's getting harder and harder to play that game, though. You know, that, that game well, just ain't cutting it anymore. Unless, well, unless you've got a city of passive voters, they're perfectly happy with. Well, yeah, but you know, this is well. I, I agree in the short run, but I mean, I think in the long run, this is uh, this is part of the evolution of the species you know there's a there's a past and there's a future yes and they are the the past they are the past possibly also the short-term future yeah well for a while it's a process yes you know that's where the caterpillar butterfly thing comes in it's it's useful to actually observe the process and see how it actually does that in a completely different direction and something that i did raise with you and your clown flunkies on saturday I actually filed five pieces of music, copyright on five pieces of music, 
on oh, Sunday. Right. It's an interesting process. It costs I thought it was less from something I'd read online, but it costs thirty five dollars per piece. Thirty five dollars per piece gets you what? Gets you copyright, which means that you have triple damages if you're successful in the litigation okay. associated with the intellectual property. Okay, okay. So, and that's lyrics, or there, I, is I this, this is all musical, or what? Uh, this was all music, actually. Okay. I did that quite intentionally because I wanted to do the lyrics under separate names and using samples of the music as opposed to the yeah. music, as yeah. is, which would become. So, what actually is copyrighted? Uh, I mean, is it the the sequence of notes themselves, yep. like a melody? Yep. And yeah, okay, yep. That's exactly what's copyrighted. Okay. I wonder if it's... I mean, I don't think it's probably the case, but with patents, they will go through it for you. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the patent office. And they will find you prior... Find all the other melodies. Yes. That must be a nightmare shit. I mean, by this time, I can't imagine that there's that much to be found there. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, actually. I don't think they do that. I don't think they're like the patent office, but the patent office will do that for you. It would be nice if they do that for you, though, because it would be amazing finding some unique notes. Well, that should be available. That should just all be available to everybody. That's good information. Shit, fuck them. (laughs) I want that information. Yeah, no, but... When I logged in, I realized that I had eight copyrights currently. Uh-huh. Five on this music, uh, one on the Noblate source code, which is part of open source, the register copyright on the source code. Yeah. One associated with uh, Field of Chaos, my writings from when I was 17, yeah. and one associated with the original manuals of Noblate. And these yeah. are the protected pieces of work that I have through this. Yeah, And the music was sufficiently interesting and sufficiently easy that I think probably... Every three or four months, I might file maybe, you know, the same order, probably about five um, compositions with them, with the view that eventually, I mean, as it is now, I could release an EP of these um, pieces, Uh, but then I would have, you know, a musical repertoire over some period of time where I could release it in... That's sort of how I was approaching my own art stuff, Mm. you know, is that, you know, there are times when I'm really active and I'm generating stuff. Mm. You know, and that goes on for weeks or whatever at the time, and then <laughs> not so much, you yes. know. And that's okay. You know, yeah. when it comes, it comes. Yeah. <laughs> and when it doesn't, there are other things to attend to. Yeah. And that's usually what happens is that the energy picks up in some other area, and um, and, and my energies go there. Yeah, I've, I still have the Gorilla of Code out in the ether. I think the closing date is May 15th for that. I have had absolutely no entries for that. Which I kind of suspected might be the case because students, particularly graduate students, are relatively conservative and their interest would probably be more likely to go towards a company like Google versus an individual project like Noblate. Yeah. But I'm wondering if I should do like a final... How, I mean, do you think this they even knew of the option? Well, I that's mean- where it gets interesting. So it went out on a few mailing lists. And a few academics contacted me and said that they had pushed it to a few of their students. But I haven't really received much more information. I mean, personally, I've been focusing on the music. Yeah. Mainly because I've come to a realisation that I don't think, just in terms of my time, and you might appreciate that with the frequency of these Stone 8 recordings, that I just don't think I have time to run a Kickstarter. I mean, it's one of these things where... Well, there are only so many seconds per month. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> and particularly if you like spending some of those seconds out gardening, you know. Well, those these- are all to exactly. be considered, yes. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so, I would say gardening should get, you know, whatever your minimum time is. That sounds really reasonable to me. I don't see how you can do that with, with I mean, I, I'm thinking, wow. Well, yeah, I've always been impressed with how you're able to yeah. do as much as you do. Yeah, my body is not as impressed as it once was with regards to these things. I think the physical deterioration part of the stuff that I do, we are going out for bike rides over the weekend, which is good. We're going for 18 miles tomorrow, which yeah. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. So, I mean, I am the monkey is getting exercised in some regard through this. But I, um, yeah. it is interesting. I can only encourage you to take care of your monkey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you the know? monkey fights back. Well, the monkey's fighting well, back. Well, you know, it, just, if you have a nice, healthy monkey, uh, the older you get, the more you will appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm officially out of topics at this point here, Heron. We we started considerably earlier than we usually do, so I'm not sure if that means that I have more more spry in me to do more topics. So let me let me float a few things, and maybe we can jam a topic. Oh, together. listen, I'm up for it, man. I'm <laughs> always up. See, you're the highlight of my week. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> Stone Ape, the highlight of Heron's week. <laughs> So God, I'm so happy that Skype is working well. Yeah. I mean, that was really wearing on me. Wearing on you, I'd have to do all the editing. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's even... Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but it just... I mean, I really depend on that. Everybody I know and talk to normally, I use Skype with. And Mm. and, uh, it's just... That was a huge hole. Mm. So and is it because it's because of the operating system? Like you haven't upgraded your operating I ha- system? I have or, no idea what it yeah. is. The guy uh, suggested I ins- he gave me a link to install a, a 7.2 version as opposed to so a 7.2 core. You contacted Skype directly. I so. contacted Skype. Went chat. It's interesting that they don't use Skype to actually talk to people. You have to tack, uh, yeah. text with them. Yeah. But you get a live thing and uh, he gave me a link to download an earlier version and worked out. you know and that seems to be working so i'm just not going to upgrade this thing anymore yes. <laughs> unless yeah well we'll see so yeah this is so good because i was real that, that that's that's a big part of my life i realize all of a sudden you know how i depend on the, this ability three months. it was about three months that you and i had problems associated with and it's got progressively worse it, too. It has, yeah. You know, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm pretty lenient with a lot of things, you mm. know, but it's just become intolerable. And now <laughs> it's fixed. That's uh, it's hard to believe, you mm. know. Mm. And Skype, you know, I mean Microsoft, the guy or wh- whoever it was I talked to, uh, you know, texted with, uh, mm. gave me the solution and it worked. So yes. yeah. <laughs> thank you, Skype. Yeah. So over recent months, as part of the whole, I don't know, kind of brain escaping from head phenomena, um, which I've been feeling through working <laughs> migraines. Well, just the need to the need to have an alternative mind that you know isn't so totally ingrained in work and you know getting stuff out and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about possible places that you know we could be rather than here enduring this kind of stuff. My time in Australia will possibly be increasing in the near future. Oh, really? Uh, I'm going to keep that as cryptic as possible. Not anything to do with me or my wife, might I add, but with regards to potentially other, you know, influences. And 
I don't really like Australia, which is kind of curious. I mean, I like going occasionally. But, you're, but there, there's a possibility that, that you may find yourself living soon. Um, your Skype is now fucking up, Heron, having had that nice conversation about how Skype's not fucking up. Can I call you back? Sure. Okay. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, it's still not good, but we can work through it. Okay, God. <laughs> well, if I sound fine to you, then... That's yeah, you sound time. great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see no problem whatsoever. Okay. So, you know, I've been reflecting recently. I, I might have told you this. I probably haven't, actually. We, I found a coastal town called Bolinas, which is just across the Golden Gate Bridge, that had a whole lot of cheap land available. And I looked at two different locations. I thought, this is amazing, you know. I mean, when I say cheap, I think it was, I can't recall. Maybe thirty thousand or something like that. I mean, it was just ridiculously cheap. Yeah, but for how many? What, what uh, for per a, acre or a quarter what? for a quarter acre. Thirty thousand for a quarter acre. Yeah. Okay. And I thought, well, this is like a no-brainer. And then my wife and I were both looking at it, and I involved my mother as well. Um, and it turns out that the city of Bellinas, or the township of Bellinas, has not allowed any water connections to these lots <laughs> since 1972. <laughs> and also, the lots that are being sold are on a cliff face where they lose between 3 to 30 feet off the cliff face every year. <laughs> Which is just like... A little research is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even allow people to camp on their land. Like, I mean, there are all these restrictions associated with it. So this and how can this be... Well, this is just clearly fraud. I mean, shouldn't I mean, isn't there some agency somewhere who should go arrest these people? Well, it's an unincorporated township, which means that they don't have the kind of jurisdiction that these incorporated townships have. And apparently it's just like local knowledge. I mean, every five years the New York Times publishes an article on Bolinas. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a joke township, basically. <laughs> well, we should just fucking nuke them then. Or yeah. we should just, you know, negotiate down, pay, you know, $2,000 for a block of land there, <laughs> and then just turn up there and say, you know, make us move. And then us. take over. Yeah. Yeah. Show them some real muscle. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> we're taking over. Yeah, well, we're incorporating this township and calling it Polinus now, so <laughs> screw you. <laughs> They also did things like remove road signs and stuff, like even road signs like that were on the highway and things like <laughs> that. So, they, you mean who? The township of Bolinas, the locals that live in this. <laughs> Bolinas, in what state are they in? California. California. I've never never heard of Bolinas. Just a great the, name. I'm, yes. I'm not sure I believe any of this. You sure you didn't read this on the Onion News? No. I, I recommend you, although you never will, Heron, but our listeners at least look up Bolinas. In particular, the water restrictions of Bolinas. Okay, B-E-L-I-N-A-S. B-O-L-E-N-I-S, I I think. (laughs) Okay, all right. American spelling. Yeah, Bolinas. And um, so this kind of set in motion... So to take a step back, roughly every two or three months I do a search of land in the area like along the coast, and also up into up into Washington State even, that far north, through Oregon, this kind of stuff. 
looking at coastal towns, preferably, and I've talked about this in a prior stone, because I actually remember myself reciting these rules, um, coastal towns that have at least three roads, like the two road ones, i.e. a road in and a road out, aren't applicable because they're too difficult to get in and out of. But having at least three major roads, i.e. ideally a T uh, of, of major roads, and then ideally relatively close to the coast, but not absolutely on the coast. What I'm trying to avoid here is being inside mountain ranges of where you really do only have one road in and one road out. So I have half a dozen of these places that I've found. The houses vary from, you know, the high 90s to the low 300s, usually the 200, 100 range. And there's some pretty nice towns with some land that's available. My wife has a a dislike for the kind of Eureka Humboldt area because she spent maybe six months of her life up in that area and doesn't particularly like that area. But we always have aspired to have an escape route. I mean, we still have our house in Las Vegas that is tenanted. Um, but when we go back to Las Vegas, it seems more and more dreamlike. We also plan on going to the UK sometime this year. Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, we won't be going at the end of April as we originally planned. But we've always looked at UK as a bit like the Alamo in terms of, like, if everything goes completely wrong here, at least we can live in the UK. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know the, the Alamo. The Alamo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, but it's something that we periodically do as a kind of thought experiment. In particular, you know, when the burdens of work. And I've got to really take my hat off here to my spiritual advisor because she actually has to live with me. Like our listeners and you get a kind of narrative form associated with these things. Or in your case, me emailing you at four thirty on a Friday saying, I'm sorry, we just can't record this Friday. Or even worse, the hospital one where I was calling you from a hospital saying, we really can't record this Friday. No, those are the good ones. That's that's the only way I want to get any excuses is from the emergency room. Exactly. That's that's to me of now. Now we're talking a valid excuse. Yes. So anyway, people get to see this remotely through me not putting out podcasts, but actually... My spiritual advisor has to see this on location. So if there's actually a human... Oh, well, yeah, there's a whole other thing, yeah, <laughs> besides what's here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you... See, that's why I live by myself. Yeah. I just found it was enough for me to deal with me, let alone trying to deal with somebody else's actuality. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, was like, I could barely, barely manage myself. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, we've certainly been playing that thought experiment recently, and we seem to return to the UK. Although my, my spiritual advisor genuinely likes Australia, I just, you know, I can't see any degree of long-term. Although I'm going to continue to have family there for, you know, probably at least another generation. So, mm, I don't know. So what? Well, I guess I've, I've done... I mean, that's so, one thing to consider. I, I've done so little corruption of the youth that I think the potential to have any youth corrupt, and as I've said previously, uh, the, the first the first wave of corruptors that influenced me were my uncles, respectively. So, you know, my perspective yeah. is that there are certain responsibilities in terms of... I feel of that too, but I feel that... It doesn't, I don't care whether they're from Australia or wherever they are, any kids, anywhere. Yes. You know, that's, that's yeah. the job. That is the job, yeah. is waking them up. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, yes. So this hasn't this has fallen on deaf ears as a potentially good topic. I'll give it to you, Heron. You you propose. Well, a topic. What do you mean? What what has fallen on deaf ears? Well, I mean sometimes these topics kind of take on a life of their own and they kind of become something that's remotely humorous. Well, I mean, well, believe uh, us. 
Well, I'm trying to think what was. The, I mean, I I thought we were just getting started, and it was sort of interesting. Okay, so okay, and, so in terms of your favorite escapes, I mean, you talk fondly associated with Big Bear in that area. I mean, your final ah escape. Yeah. Ah, see, I have—I don't recall having heard that word involved. Yeah, I've used it four times at least. Okay, all right. Well, I've just managed to filter all that yeah. out and, and heard all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't see it as an escape. I just see it as free creation. Hmm. It's just what kind of world do you want to live in? Hmm. What are the possibilities? Hmm. What's worth uh, thinking about? What's not worth thinking about? What am I willing to do or not do? <laughs> Certainly. But, I mean, you you have, I mean, particularly with regards to your work, i.e. What, what, your work as outside language monkeys might observe your work in terms of... You mean of like paper. the newspaper? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you've exclaimed... Well, that has nothing to do with it. That's just the way I pay my rent. Well, but, except that's got everything to do with it, because you're going to have to pay your rent somewhere else if you want to escape somewhere else, or recreate somewhere else. Oh, yeah, else well, I need to get away from the newspaper anyway. I mean, mm. I, I need to establish myself somehow on the internet and some get some income from that somehow. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that needs to be done. I need to create a product. It is interesting. The notion of productization through this, I guess <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, have you learned anything through the Google Hangouts exploration of that? Oh uh, no, that's been useless uh, so far, but I, I, I think it, again, the fact that there are people wandering in is a good sign. Well, except, I mean, I guess I don't want to use the term quality of people, but you need no, to. No, but that's, that's the whole point. I, that, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm. Uh, there need to be thousands of them in order to find two or three that are the ones you want to talk to. But you also want. I, I watched through the week a documentary on the um, lead musician of Motorhead, Lemmy, and his touring. I mean, obviously, he passed away last year, but when he was. I guess he was in his late 60s. He still toured for three quarters yeah. of the year. Yeah, like the Rolling Stones. Well, that's even more than the Stones do, shit. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, but I think <laughs> somewhere through there is the notion of of traveling and talking, or alternatively, creating a, a cyber way, to use a wonderful 1990s term, and, you know, or create Google Hangouts where people are coming to listen to you talk, Right. Well, Google Hangouts is just whatever the fuck you create there, that's all. Mm. I mean, we, we return to YouTube as being the modern media of choice in terms of, like, creating conversations and ideas and getting people together. I realized something, actually, through the week, which is well worth sharing with the Stone Ape listening audience. There's a thing called the Shorties, which is like a YouTube... It's not just YouTube, it's a bunch of these new media darlings. But anyway, it's a set of awards <laughs> for them. And I yeah. realized the face of YouTube, like the YouTube stars, are all, well, not all of them, but a good number of them are kids with trust funds. <laughs> so what yeah. you see is a bunch yeah. of like Lebanese. Yeah, a bunch of rich kids having yeah. fun with new technology. Exactly, like a yeah. bunch of features which they're yeah. not particularly, I mean, my perspective, mainly due to feedback of certain people, is whenever I appear on YouTube, I get a bunch of like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here, Tom? Stay to stick to audio podcasting kind of uh, responses. But I've actually realized that a good number of these popular YouTubers are nothing to look at. 
I mean, oh, really, that's that's some of them were really hard yeah, on the eyes. That's good. So, that's yes, no, I feel, I feel empowered by looking yeah, at the, these individuals to realize I'm not as bald or as hairy as these individuals. I actually, you know, I'm, I'm not no, that it's, offensive. It's not all that fucking important. <laughs> yeah. The so, question is, what the fuck are you saying, and how does it, what does it well, mean to me, and what am I supposed to do about it? That's, I think, the interesting issue. And what I tried to do with Short Funk, which was in the wrong media form, was produce something on a daily basis to produce uh, something on a daily basis to put it out. So do it I should have been a video. Well, this is what I'm thinking. That's an interesting idea. Just mm. a talking head could be real simple. Well, a lot of these things are like talking heads where the camera is focused on the head, but there's a lot of movement behind it, like talking while walking and all these other kinds of things. Well, there's all sorts of ways, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? So... But anyway, it's certainly doable with an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, a wide variety of other, you know, things that will... Yeah, will, I mean, you've got everything you need. There's, the only thing you need to do is figure out just what the fuck you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to that end, I mean, I could create a, a video version of Short Funk, or, you know, I could do a wide variety of things. I think the thing with YouTube is independently... Far more than podcasts, it gives ability for people to move laterally between content. I'm not that familiar with YouTube. You know, I mean, I go there when I find a link well, that directs me there. But I, I have a few people that I'm, well, I have probably about 450 people that I'm subscribed to, 450 content producers uh, that I'm subscribed to. Surprisingly. Now don't you find that just overwhelming? Well, I mean, you, see, would you, you called your friends from Facebook. If I had more than 10 things I was following, well, I'd be confused. Let me point this out to you very few of these folk still produce videos so actually my youtube <laughs> stream having subscribed to these 400 odd people is still only you know maybe sometimes eight pieces of content if i'm really lucky somewhere uh, in the 20s worth of uh, okay all right all right so you all right so it's not overwhelming no they're not producing things on a regular basis and actually it's quite yeah. you know it's quite extraordinary the one thing i've noticed is that the Video audience, by definition, in large part due to motion issues and parallax issues and a wide variety of things, like older folk don't like YouTube-style video because there's constantly motion and jitter. And they want a, a yeah, stable crisp, camera. Crisp, stable camera. Yeah, yeah. So I've realized by default I may also be moving to a younger audience by doing this, just by adopting this meme. Well, you just need to be aware of all these yeah. things, and then yeah. you'll make whatever the hell you make. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, good, just, it's good to be aware. <laughs> maybe I should just start doing it and then screw the haters, basically, to use a very modern term. And just Well, it depends doing. on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. What, what, is it you want, what is it you want to accomplish in doing this? Yeah. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I mean, serious. No, uh, do you well, do you but, have but, that but, in mind yet? Yeah. Well, I mean, consider consider the success, the one success. Well, maybe no, but later one time. But consider the one success I've had with regards to these kind of experiments. When I started mm, model rail, rail radio, okay, when I started yeah. model rail radio, I had no way of working out where it was going to go. the The creation of it actually came not just through the idea, but actually through producing it. Sure, yeah, 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 absolutely. It took a life of its own once it exactly. existed. Yeah, and <laughs> my perspective is with a lot of these. You start a seed, you keep it going, and then you see what happens. And yeah. you adjust accordingly, but you just work through it as you need to. Well, that's one. There are a lot of ways to proceed. I mean, each each thinker, I mean, that's those are the issues I face daily, you know, is 
how can I get my ideas into the world? Yeah. You know, in a way that I can live with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have not figured that out yet. Yes. <laughs> but but I I do feel optimistic that I'm moving in the right direction. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so maybe I should just try that. Maybe I should just start this thing going and, and do what I need to do. It would well, be, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I guess I've looked critically at the things that I've done up until this point. Our audience here is a combination of model rail folk and non-model rail folk. Mm. Model rail radio is... Uh, forget them, man. Just you and me. We're well, here. No, but, uh, okay, exploring the various things. Noble Ape is one thing. You know, I have these things. Yeah, Noble Ape, yeah. So do I, yeah, right. You've got yeah. your yeah. things that you've done. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, to be continued, to be continued. That's all I can say. It's just an yeah. experiment that... Well, I'm still working on things that I've, you know, been doing for decades. Yeah. You know? I mean, and it reduces to just four things. It's not like it's that big a deal. It's four things. Yeah. But um, they're still all in flux. Yeah. Well, they'll always, I mean, that's the nature of my projects as well, is that they're always in flux. Well, these won't always, well, not my flux anyway. I mean, I can see giving these away and let someone else deal with it, you know? Yeah. I'll be done with it. <laughs> yeah. But the Gendo thing, no, that'll always be with me. That well, I don't. I don't even know if that's true. Yeah. It's always been with me, but who knows? It might not always be with me. Yes. A good stroke would take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd definitely change Stone Ape as well. I'm sure. So, yes. Yeah. Well, maybe we'd need to turn the thing into a video then, in order to make it intelligible. So. Well, you know, I, you know, that that's been a big issue for me. Uh, I mean, in this whole process of putting my ideas into the world, as I know, I need to be on YouTube. There needs to be video of me talking, and um, I can I can do that. I don't think that'll be a problem. But you know, so it's just this whole idea of sort of crafting this thing, mm. <laughs> you know, so that it hopefully works, you know, so that. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so to be continued anyway. And certainly with the upcoming, I mean, there is technically a date associated with 20 years of Noble Ape. Oh, really? Is, which is June 13th, which actually coincides with my friend disappearing in Australia three years prior to the start of Noble Ape. Maybe two, four years prior, four years prior to the start of Noble Ape. So I don't know what, I mean, I think I probably picked the 13th date to be the same as the day my friend disappeared. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be some kind of celebration. Um, we have two guests coming to visit uh, at the end of June. So if we get to England, it's probably going to be after that, by the looks of things. Although my wife is saying, you know, maybe we should just go before quickly. Pick two-week block and just head out. Well, it's nice that you're in a position where you can adjust to accommodate those choices. Um, well, yeah. I, think that, I mean, you know... Yeah, I guess I guess that's something. I guess that's something. Yeah, well, I mean, you put in your time in the last couple of weeks, but at this point, you know, it might be that you can do that. Yes. Who knows? It's been seven months. Oh, I can't even imagine what it's like yeah. to have that kind of responsibility. <laughs> well, kind it's, of it's continuing in a very interesting yeah. way, so I'm picking up a bunch of additional responsibility. As oh, well. good. I hope they're going to pay you a lot more for those additional... Well, I don't know. I mean, my my perspective is, it's not that the compensation is fair, it's just that you can't imagine being compensated like you're compensated. I think that's the... 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, if you don't feel the need for more to, to prove that they love you, yeah. then, uh, then fine. Yeah, yes. cool. Live yes. with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd only be paying more tax, vastly more tax. So. Well, know. no, you just have to be more creative in your giving in the community. Well, it's gone past that stage, unfortunately. So the well, US- but there must be. Ah, you you just need a better tax accountant. Well, potentially so. Or I just need better vehicles in order to write. Yeah, I would imagine there are ways that you can basically, you know, and legally, really, not pay much in taxes at all as long as you give enough of it away to other things, right? Well, I thought that was the case, and I was very lucky last tax, you know, period, which actually technically is in doing, I think, on Monday, um, but for me, ended a few months ago. However, I'm in a, a different kind of peril associated with the tax this year and unfortunately this year there's really nothing i can do aside from pay tax so, no i'm just talking about in in the future and in, in, i mean because i don't really know anything at all about this but i'm yeah. assuming that if i find myself in a position where there's more money than i really need to just survive mm. that um I, sh- I should be able to arrange that that money is dealt with in ways that result in no taxes to the government you can only pay half your income in charitable donation. Well, that would be – well, I can pay myself. I'm talking about the, the company in a sense, not okay. me personally. I can just pay myself enough to live on. That's all I need. Yeah. So who gives a shit about that? But, but, but if the enterprise is making millions of dollars, then I don't want any of that going to the government. Well, it's an absolute not, minimal. Yeah, well, you going need to create an offshore company, I think, in order to. Really, is that the only way yeah. to do that? Yeah. Well, and that's getting a lot of bad press lately. Well, with individuals, it is actually. It's there's there's no corporate shame associated with this, though. I mean, companies have a legal fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to minimise the amount of tax that they pay. Yeah. So they have a strange kind of. Curious model <laughs> burden thing. So, you know. so they do it to these weird companies in the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> well, Panama. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Panama. Well, they probably do it in the Bahamas too. too. Yes. The, only the documents were released in Panama. Aaron, I'm, I'm terribly disappointed, but I'm feeling myself fading fast. I had probably too much hot sauce on dinner tonight. Uh huh. So I've been drinking water furiously, but it still hasn't aided the digestive agitation that I'm feeling associated with this thing. So I'm thinking Well, that's probably, as good an excuse as I've heard in a long time. I, I think yeah. I'm probably going to have to pull the plug on this recording, unfortunately. Fair enough. It's been a pleasure as always. Okay, Tom. I'll talk good to night. you soon. Take care. Okay.